Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of the Undisrupted Podcast. We are coming to you live from the Future Ready Schools Tech Leaders Virtual Summit. And you know, Adam, we always start out with a fun question. So before we introduce our guests, I have to ask you this because we love acronyms and education. So I have to oh, ask yeah. you, what does ESSER mean? E-S-S-E-R. Tell me your best guess. What does Ooh, it stand for? Uh, gosh, it, I think we're running out of uh, acronyms now. We're just running consonants and, and vowels all together. Smash them together. Uh, let's see. Uh, education saves students every rare. <laughs> See, I thought it was educational super strategies for education reform because you got to have education twice in yes, there. Yes. But our our guest today is Philip Lovell, and he actually comes to us from Future Ready Schools uh, and the Alliance for Excellence in Education, and he has a better answer for us. Uh, Philip, what does ESSER actually stand for? You guys are terrific. Thanks for having me. So it is the elementary and secondary school emergency relief fund. So we were we didn't get a single one word right out of all of that. But we took some good guesses. The, um, the spirit that you had was definitely, <laughs> definitely in the right direction. So I guess with uh, with ESSER and with CARES 1 and CARES 2, the American Rescue Plan, we have all this different funding now. And so for our tech leaders out there that are watching this um, during the during the um, event, but also for those listening later, what does all this mean for schools when it comes to technology specifically? All these funds, the CARES 1, CARES 2 and all that. Um, what does that mean for schools with tech? Gotcha. So, um, you know, I think it's important to um, to. Um, maybe we can start with sort of the, the basic structure of, of the different money that's going to be made available because there's money that's going to be made available through the Departments of Education and there's money that's going to be made available from the Federal Communications Commission. Okay. Ah. And those two pots of money can be used for similar things, but they will probably have different rules. <laughs> right? And so, you know, districts will be in the driver's seat to figure out like what what to use where mm -hmm. um so under um esser the uh, elementary um, and secondary school education fund the the rules that have been in place thus far for um from cares act to the funding that was made available from congress back in december to the um uh, to the american rescue plan act the provisions pertaining to education technology basically stayed the same. Okay. okay. So if you've used ESSER money for technology over the last several months, you will have, you'll be able to do the same moving forward. The difference in the ESSER funding that from the American Rescue Plan Act versus the CARES Act and versus the bill that passed in December is really two things. One is that the American Rescue Plan Act is a lot bigger. Yes. So like three right? times larger, right? So, um, oh my God. So so for the CARES Act, about $12 billion from the CARES Act went to K-12. All right. In December, Congress passed more than an additional $50 billion. Wow. And wow. then the um, American Rescue Plan Act we're looking at $123 billion wow. for K-12. So 10 times the original. So this is orders of magnitude, bigger mm -hmm. than the CARES Act. Bigger, so, and think about what your district gets for Title I, mm -hmm. right? Nationally, it's about $16 billion. 
So Jeez. this in one fell swoop. This is so really over the last over the course of the last year, you know, districts have gotten will be getting um, about and two hundred billion dollars. All right. Oh. So, um, so so with ESSER, um, the the new information that'll be coming from the Department of Education, it might clarify some allowable uses, um, but but anything that you have been doing, you should be able to to continue doing. It's, the funny thing with that though. I think a lot of vendors <laughs> have been following. Oh, their ears just went like this. Like, $200 billion. What's going on? Yeah. I know my inbox is filling up right now as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, you know, we're from, from uh, the perspective of, you know, those who are really committed to public education, this is a huge opportunity and it's also a huge risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because, you, you can't hide under the under the covers with two hundred billion dollars, yeah. right? And so, like, we really have to spend this money well, and demonstrate outcomes for kids, and communicate that to policymakers and the public to maintain the support for public education. And a lot of us have been saying that you know schools are under resourced, you know specific populations of students definitely under-resourced well we just got an additional 200 million dollars yeah and so you know so so we really need to and need to to make the most of it yeah with great funding comes great accountability um exactly exactly. (laughs) it's a different Um, spider-man reference but i like it um yeah i know you know it's it's interesting because already the public perception of this is is mixed i would say too from the from the layman the taxpayers out there on the street who i've been talking to um you know, with a mask on, of course, uh, those, those people have said to me, like, hey, that's the last thing educate. Now we're going to throw more money and, and they're going to just waste that money. You know, it's just mm-hmm. gonna, we don't know what it's going to go to. And it's just going to make it into some sort of weird slush fund like that, that we have a lot of that in education. And I'm laughing, thinking we've been so far, so, so underfunded for years and decades. Um, my, my goodness, we're probably maybe going to catch up at this point, but I'm sure there's other things we have to consider too but i guess that's a perception again from people that aren't in the educational circles we're gonna have exactly. to encounter and deal with with our parent community well, you know and 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 unfortunately perception is reality right yeah. and so we um you know we we need to so so for those who are around during the um the stimulus package in 2009 when um when president obama first took office um you might remember you know driving driving down the road and you see these signs that says you know paid for by the american um uh, Rescue and Reinvestment Act, mm-hmm. um, or Recovery and Reinvestment Act. Um, I, I think that that it would be great for districts, you know, where there are specific ways that these dollars are being put to use, to to be really public about it. Yeah, you know, we really need to um, to to demonstrate that that these dollars are being put to good use, and. Um, uh, yeah, otherwise, I, I really fear that, um, you know, we could be just undercutting the, the whole the whole notion that we have around, you know, we need resources for public education. Yeah, because when you look at it, I mean, it, this is not the first time we've gotten an influx of cash into education. You know, we had the uh, reading first or uh, money that was out there years ago. You had race to the top. So there's been opportunities to uh, do some things, nothing of this magnitude. But often we run into the situation where the money's here and we do certain things, but one is an outcome based, you know, what, what's going to be the outcome that we're getting from this. And then it's that piece that comes in. What do you do when the money's gone? Because if you're buying 
uh, or I was saying buying people <laughs> services or additional supports. What happens when that dollar when those dollars go go away? Um, so that's that's the dilemma that I see really happening. That is, I think that is the multi-billion dollar question because these dollars will be available for use for the next you know, two, maybe three years. And then what? Yeah. And so it's, you know, how do we find, you know, ways to, uh, to, to spend these dollars that will meet needs today without creating more needs come 2004. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that, um, yeah, that's just, we just need continued dialogue, continued good ideas, um, you know, for, for that. Um, but um, yeah, and, and we should be excited about what we have now, you know, there's, there's with the, with the money that's coming down the pike, there should be no reason why a student should be going without a laptop. Yep. So let me, so let me ask you this with that, with that being said, because you kind of uh, mentioned this earlier, anytime you get dollars from the feds, there's always guidelines, stipulations kind of uh, attached to it. So with that being said, are there any particular guidelines that says a certain percentage has to go to this, that, and the third? And, and with those guidelines, because I've done a lot of work dealing with Title I and Title I districts that I've worked in, and I know they have their auditing, Title I auditing, and things of that. So has there been any guidance so far given on percentages that have to be spent? And if so, how are we going to expect to be audited on this in the future? Great question. So the um, the other difference between the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan Act, other than just the size of it, is that um, there there are now some additional sort of set set asides that states and districts um, uh, need to know about. So one of them is that um, at the state level, one percent of the funds have to be spent on summer learning, summer enrichment. Another 1% has to be spent on comprehensive after-school programs. And 5% has to be spent on learning loss. That's at the state level. At the district level, at least 20% has to be spent on learning loss. Wow, okay. Now it's important to, um, um, to also recognize that that the statute is really broad. And so when it says, you know, you have to spend at least 20% of learning loss, what does that mean? Districts will still be in the driver's seat largely to figure out what that means. The statute says that it has to be focused on evidence-based activities that meet the academic, social, and emotional needs of students. And that we have to specifically look at um, populations of students that have been historically underserved. Uh, you know, like students with homelessness, um, students with disabilities, Children in foster care, English learners. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely it is a, it is an equity focused um, play here that uh, that the Congress made. But um, those those provisions are what um, really what set aside what what make um, ESSER this go around different from from ESSER under uh, under CARES. There will be guidance coming out from the Department from the Department of Education that um, will. Um, you know, specify, I think, more about what this means and more about reporting requirements. And then on top of that, just states will be providing information to districts. So there's um, more info to come, but structurally from the statute, those are the big, those are the big issues. So like that learning yeah, loss. With that money, yeah. yeah, with that money, you got to you got to know where it's being spent and, and it has to be spent in the right places. But I do like that 
they're giving the power to the districts. Uh, my hope and in, in, in prayer is that the right people are in, in place to do that in the districts. And this doesn't become the fourth job of someone else in a smaller district. So, you know, they already have wearing multiple hats and it's like, oh yeah, by the way, we're putting millions of dollars in your hands, figure it out and make it work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I see larger districts kind of figuring out, but sometimes these medium to small size districts, this is like the fourth job someone else has with on their plate. Yeah, and I think when you think about uh, tech leaders, you know, who, who are watching this or listening to this, they're probably like, I hope I'm at the table when those discussions are being made, because oftentimes we get, sometimes we're not at the table when those discussions are happening. And a lot of this funding, specifically around learning loss, technology is going to play a huge role in that that part of it, um, whether it be the software or the hardware um, connectivity. So how does that play into this, like broadband and home connectivity? Because I know that's something that we've been pushing for yeah. lately, especially at the federal level, is to get everybody to have some access. And then and then tell me a little bit about that, but also does how does that tie into E-Rate or is there any association there? So so that's that is a really important point. And it'll be important for districts to um, to determine what money you want to use from ESSER for technology versus what money you want to use from E-Rate for technology. Because you have a lot more flexibility with your ESSER money than you do with your E-rate money. Mm -hmm. So it probably makes sense to do everything that you can through E-rate rather than spending your ESSER dollars on the tech stuff unless you need to because mm -hmm. um, the, the money, new money will be coming from E-rate and you'll be able to use it in different ways. So in the past, E-rate was all about um, telecommunications, you know, internet access now, um, you know, Wi-Fi in the school building. The, uh, the American Rescue Plan Act provides $7 billion, which is, what's interesting is like, say $7 billion in comparison to $122 billion, like $7 billion, what do you mean? <laughs> $7 million before $122 billion, like $7 billion. I know. Right? I know. So, um, so, let's, so, so, so let's, let's put the Rescue Plan Act as sort of the, 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 the ESSER fund aside for just a moment so that we're not disappointed all of a sudden. $7 it's, billion. It's dollars dollars now, keep in mind, this is not Jeff Bezos' money, but you know. Right. This is, <laughs> this is maybe Kanye West's that's money. What he, that's what he makes drinking a cup of coffee in the morning. That's what Bezos makes. But yes. So, um, and those dollars will be able to be used to support high-speed home internet access and devices. So it is a it is it is E-rate 2.0. Okay. And um, it's really intended to close the homework gap. So the good news is that it's there. The bad news is that you know Congress passed the bill eh, about a year after schools closed, <laughs> and now schools are reopening. Thank you, Capitol Hill. Um, but it's there now, and you know we knew that the homework gap existed before COVID. It'll be with us after COVID unless we do something about it. So um, you know, so you're totally right that you know that technology will play a really important role in addressing the learning loss that's, takes, that's taking place because of the pandemic. And, um, and districts will have you know money in place to um, to address it. Now, the um, the the money. Once that seven billion dollars is gone, it's gone. Yeah, right. And you know, similar to the to the ESSER funds, I mean, obviously there are a lot more of them, but like you were saying, you know, the sort of a cliff, right? Once they're spent, they're spent. Um, I, I definitely, um, it is important 
from a policy perspective that we spend these dollars well, but also you know, with some sense of urgency because money laying around to policymakers means this, that money is not needed. Yeah. And, um, and then of course you got to balance that with, well, I'd rather have money. I'd rather have money spent well, that takes a little bit longer than money that's spent now that just, you know, you may as well just throw it on the road and, you know, drive over it. Right. So as um, tech folks, we know something's going to break at some point. So we also want to keep that money in the coffers. Just to, in case, yeah. <laughs> okay, switches are going down. I mean, do we just buy new switches just because we have the money to buy new switches? And, mm-hmm. you know, because we're used to, you know, squeezing blood out of a turnip and, and, right. and trying to get every last drop we can out of things. So sometimes it, we may find ourselves replacing things ahead of time to kind of future-proof. But mm-hmm. let me ask you with that, because I've also have been in communication, and I'm sure a lot of CTOs and tech directors have as well, some of these telecommunications folks are trying to partner with some districts to kind of finish that last mile and say, hey, you guys have uh, your own spectrum out there. Let's go ahead and we're going to put some some towers out here and we need some financial partners to do this. So really getting K-12 districts into this telecommunications world, kind of, sort of, not really. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's one of those weird things when you talk about having the money and something that once it's the money spent is good because you've kind of built that infrastructure to kind of help connect homes. But it's, is that going to be an allowable expense? Are districts, do they want to get in that avenue? So I don't know. Yeah, so you know, I think that um, when it comes to, to, to more substantial infrastructure build out, there is um, additional legislation that's pending that's going to look more towards the, the infrastructure build out. I think that the, uh, the idea behind um, these dollars was more that it would help to fund um, internet subscriptions, that it would help to fund hotspots, that um, it would help to fund connected devices. Uh, we'll, we'll see as the regulations roll out and that'll take place over the next six, um, less, than, less than 60 days. Um, what additional details get added and what um, what specific allowable uses end up being, but um, they're really contemplated to be, um, you know, more around, I think, yeah, like paying for internet access, really addressing affordability, mm-hmm. or addressing the affordability issues as opposed to, you know, to, to major infrastructure build out. And I think you just hit a, you hit another point there when you talked about the hotspots. I was thinking back to what you were saying earlier. I mean, I mean, hotspots themselves have a one-time cost, but the, and then there's the continual cost of maintaining those monthlies. So we have to budget that. As tech leaders, we have to budget what that's going to look like when this is, the funding's all dried up. So maybe we bought the things, but now they're just bricks because we can't pay for the subscription anymore. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, and and you know, that's the um, you know what we need to continually be educating our policymakers on is exactly that point. If I can pay for this for 12 months, that's great. Come month 13, the need is still there. The cost is still there. If the dollars are not still there, then the student doesn't have internet access. Right. And so we, we need to be really clear with policymakers about, you know, we provided this number of hotspots to this many students, and this is great. And we have this, uh, we're taking care of this for the next X number of months. And, you know, and we will, need to, we will need to continue that. So with everything you said, this has been a, a wealth of information to all of the listeners and everyone who's attending on um, this live summit. 
but is there a place that you could like point us to where we can find more information or as things change and you're able to put more information out there, where can we go? Where can we go to learn more without reading the 680 some odd page uh, document that the feds have put out? <laughs> you mean you mean not everyone likes to do that? The I cliff like, notes, uh, just the cliff yeah. notes. Yeah, I mean, I or did watch that. Um, the film notes, that the film C- notes. That yes. episode of C-SPAN. I mean, it was so amazing on C-SPAN. I binge watched the whole, um, you know, eight hour reading of it. I mean, it was, you know. <laughs> riveting, riveting. Yes. You know, um, yeah. Better than so, the Snyder Cut. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, we we will be making information available, um, you know, through Future Ready to, um, to, to districts. Uh, we've got a one pager that describes the, um, the, the broad contours of, of the legislation that uh, we'll be sure to, to make available to folks. And as guidance comes out from the feds, you know, we'll be sure to, to, to make it available to, um, to, to future ready districts. Yeah. And, and, and as a kid, we, so. we provide um, you know, regular updates on, on federal education policy that's um, you know, both relevant specifically to, like, to, to ESSER, um, but also more broadly, our, we do this thing called Federal Flash. It's you know, five to seven minute videos once every, every, every couple of weeks that's, um, that gives an update on um, you know, what's happening in DC and education policy. And so as things come out, We'll be reporting on that as well. So, uh, so, as the kids say, you know, make sure you look for the link in the description below. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll have the link to all that there. Subscribe and follow. Well, thank you, Philip. Uh, this is Philip Lovell, everybody from Future Ready Schools, the Alliance for Excellence in Education. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast and at the virtual summit. My pleasure. Check out all those resources at futureready.org and also keep an eye out for those federal flashes. Those, those sound interesting. So five to seven minute little videos kind of give us some updates better, better than listening to the Snyder cut of the C-SPAN uh, that Adam <laughs> mentioned there earlier. This has been a special edition of the Undisrupted Podcast live during the Future Ready Schools Tech Leaders Virtual mm-hmm. Summit. He's Adam and you can follow him at askadam3. And he's Carl and you can follow him at Mr. Hooker. And remember, we are better together. And we are better Undisrupted. Undisrupted. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Amazon Web Services.